tell me if this sounds like you. Ditching the rat race for financial freedom is your rally cry. Shaking off the hustle and grind mentality for time freedom makes you want to do a little dance. Creating a life where your money makes more money for you, now that's your jam. Why figure all of this out? More time with loved ones and the ability to make a meaningful difference in your world. Now that's what drives you. My name is Ginny Townsend. Now, let's up level. Brett Swartz is considered one of the most well-rounded capital gains tax referral experts and informative speakers on the West Coast. Each year, he helps hundreds of high net worth individuals create and preserve more wealth through the development of tax-deferred transformational exit wealth plans using the Deferred Sales Trust, or DST. Brett is the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions and the host of Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast. Welcome to Uplevel, Brett. Jeannie, thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about how you got into this work. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, started out in the real estate business at a young age with my father and mom in the Bay Area building kind of custom homes. So I grew up with the sticks and bricks of real estate back in the, I say the MC Hammer days, right? We wore the hammer mm-hmm. pants and we'd wake up early. We learned how to move sticks and bricks and drive tractors and, and build houses. And then I was introduced to the rental real estate uh, game along the way as well with my family owning rental real estate all my life. And so I've always kind of seen and, and, and gleaned from my parents wisdom with how to own rentals and how to collect rent and how to manage properties. And, and so I kind of fell in love with real estate at a young age. Then I went to Marcus and Millichap or during college, I took an internship at a company called Marcus and Millichap. That's a real estate brokerage firm. It's kind of like a Keller Williams, but it's for commercial real estate. And I focused on multifamily investment properties. Um, but it wasn't always easy. You know, there was a point where, you know, the market completely fell apart and this was between, mm-hmm. which is right around 2008. So I started in 06 there. Mm. Oh wait, everything fell apart. And I don't know if you've ever been so scared, Jeannie, where you're not sure how you're going to support your family or how you're going to make it in a business or you have a dream and you're trying to push forward where well, that's where I was. So my wife and I, we had a dream of, you know, she wanted to be able to be home full-time with our kids. But I also wanted to be able to dream to be able to you know work real estate and make big commissions and lots and help a lot of people. But and that business is 100% sink or swim. You either close a deal or you don't. Mm. So I was at Marcus and Millichap just getting kind of my my business going, and then the market fell apart. So I went from making uh, some money to like no money overnight. And so I did what every good I think commercial real estate person or someone who has a dream does. They they figure out a way to keep it going. So I got a side job working at a place called Cheesecake Factory and a place called Roseville, which you lived in Lincoln at one point, That's right? So, so funny, it's such a small world. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, 50, 60, 70 hour weeks by day, I'd make cold calls by night. I'd make, um, I'd sell cheesecake. And just to keep the lights on, we moved with my brother actually right on the border of Lincoln and Whitney ranch, we moved with my brother into his condo. People said, go get a real job. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I love what I do. And they're like, well, how are you gonna support your family? Like, we'll figure it out. And so we just, we went into a debt though. And we, we just kept pushing forward. But a lot around that time, a lot right around that time, a gentleman came and spoke um, about the deferred sales trust, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. And uh, that changed everything. It went from, okay, now there's a way to help people defer capital gains tax beyond the 1031 exchange. You see, while I was going through this challenge, so were my clients. Mm -hmm. See, my clients had lost, some of them lost half of their wealth, some of them lost everything. And what we could identify mostly was they had too much debt, not enough diversification, not enough liquidity had overpaid for properties and see, they knew they overpaid in 04, 05, 06, 07. They, they knew it. And the problem was they felt trapped though, because they just kept 
thinking that the only way to defer this tax is to do what's called a 1031 exchange, which is just a form of, of trading one like kind property for another property to defer the tax. And so, um, so long story short, we figured out a way how they don't have to do that ever again. So I started to talk about it. And my plan was to roll it out and just, you know, become the number one broker in all of Sacramento with this strategy, uh, because all of a sudden I knew the secret, but it, guess what? It wasn't that easy because people are looking at me like, this is too good to be true. Mm. Yeah, go, let's go, go, go talk to me when my property is actually worth what it used to be worth. You should have told me a couple of years ago. Uh, but that started my journey of learning about how to, how to use it, how to help my clients use it. Fast forward, my wife and I have five kids here in, here in Roseville still, Sacramento area. And she's been able to stay home full time and Amazing. my business has never been the same. And I, now I just coach and train and I also do some, also do some brokerage as well. I'll help people if they're selling multifamily properties, um, um, with the deferred sales trust. That's amazing. I think that is one of the best ways to really understand the audience who you serve and to be able to help them out at a deeper level is to have actually walked down that road before, right? Incredible. Okay. So you did obviously refer to a deferred sales trust, but could you explain a little bit more what that is and what their benefits are? Yes. So deferred sales trust, first of all, is not a 1031 exchange. It's not a Delaware statutory trust. Okay. This is very important. They get very confused oftentimes because there's a thing called a Delaware, which is another form of a 1031. So first of all, um, a deferred sales trust is just a manufactured installment sale. Okay. What is that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's where you as an individual can carry back and become the lender on the sale of a highly appreciated asset. And by doing that, you can defer the tax. It's kind of like a 401k, Jenny, or kind of like an IRA. Think about that. Instead of taking that money in that given year, right, or receiving that income, you can park it into this vehicle called an IRA or a 401k. And it's in a tax deferral state or some, if it's a Roth, it can grow tax-free kind of some cool stuff, right? Just depending on the vehicle. So the government gives us these legal loopholes in order to incentivize us to invest in the economy and save for ourselves and our family, right? And so this deferred sales trust is just a way to do that um, and spread out tax over a long period of time versus taking all the money right now and just paying the tax, kind of like what a 1031 does as well, right? You can mm -hmm. use that vehicle to defer the tax. So, um, but better than that, you want to really dig into what are some of the outcomes that can happen with this, right? And also, maybe we can even define what the 1031 exchange is a little bit more or some of the challenges with it, right? So the 1031 exchange, I like to say, is like the Blockbuster. I don't know if Jenny remember going to Blockbuster at a young oh, age. I do. I do. You like every way in that line. Night. Or you, mm -hmm. Yeah, you show up on that Friday night, right? And the video you see at the end of the aisle, and it's behind that cardboard box. And you're excited because that cardboard box is pushed out. So you mean that video must be there. But as you take a few steps closer somebody stops it right in front of you right before you get it. And they grab that same movie and they look at you and they smile and they laugh and you laugh and you're like, but you're frustrated. And you're like, that was my whole Friday night. Right. So frustrating. But even if you got that movie, guess what? You have to return it in three days, right? You have to drive, you have to park, you know, you have to, you know, maybe you're in the snow. If you're, if you're in California, you have to worry about the weather, but if you're in somewhere that's kind of crazy, um, if you didn't rewind it, you got a fee. If you didn't return, you got a fee. That's like the 1031. It could be very frustrating, right? Because you have to identify within 45 days. You have to close at the 180. We call that the, the, the you know, shotgun wedding. Get mm -hmm. engaged in 45 days, get married to 180. Well, guess what? We oftentimes don't make great decisions under, under tight timeframes. You know, our parents taught us to sell high and buy low. 
They didn't teach us to sell high and buy higher 180 days later. I mean, oftentimes that's what the 1031 forced you to do. So in this marketplace is what we're seeing, very low inventory. And people are tired of doing the blockbuster. They're tired of overpaying. They're tired of having to stay in the toilets, trash, and liabilities. They're tired of transactional wealth planning. And what they're looking for is something that gives them transformation, something like a Netflix. Well, that's what the deferred sales trust is like, right? There's no longer any timing restrictions. You can sell high, buy low, in and out of real estate, all tax deferred without using a 1031 ever again. You can put it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You can put it into hard money lending. You can put it into ground up development, all tax deferred. It works for a primary home. It works for cryptocurrency. It works for investment real estate. Okay. The 1031 exchange only works for investment real estate. It doesn't work for cryptocurrency. It doesn't work for a primary home. It doesn't work for a business. Right. And so we like to say that the blockbuster way of doing things is the old way. And the new ways, the Netflix. And so we just show people how to do that. That's so interesting. So, and uh, clarify this, obviously you're the expert. Um, so 1031 is you have to do like to like, right? You have to, whatever you sell, it has to be very similar to what you buy, correct? Correct. And so there really is, as long as it's a financial instrument or an asset, the, the, the DST is really open for you to utilize that for. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of deal stories, but yeah, just to double double confirm what you're saying. So like kind investment real estate is the only thing that that the that the 1031 exchange qualifies for. They've they have uh Biden is talking about taking away the 1031 altogether for the most part, but even Trump wasn't great for us either because he reduced, and I say Trump, I mean just the administration, Congress and Senate and everyone sure, else. Sure. They reduced even what what is defined as is what what is even an asset that works for that. So it has to be investment. Mm property, right? A rental property cannot be a primary home. Um, and then you have to sell and buy something of equal or greater value within those time frames. Okay. The deferred sales trust, that's all out the window. It works for any highly appreciated asset. Okay. So we just did a deal in uh, Alabama, a uh, $2.6 million sale for a gentleman selling a business. He had, he and two partners, two partners did not want to sell. He wanted to sell. The value of the business is about 9 million bucks. So they say, Hey, guess what? We'll, we'll pay you about 2.6. And he goes, well, I got a tax liability of 600,000. So he calls me and says, Brett, I know I can't do a 1031, but I'd like to buy real estate and build real estate with this. Can I do it with the deferred sales trust? And the answer is yes. So he sold 2.6 million, deferred all 600,000, put all 2.6 million to the trust. And now he's building 70 units multifamily in Tennessee right now. Interesting. And so, um, and he's going to sell that investment real estate and roll into the same trust. So it works for that. We did a primary home sale in Palo Alto. It was a... Um, it was a primary home for a gentleman who's been there for 30 years and he sold it for 8.3 million. Appreciation, right? Yeah. Huge appreciation. Right. And so we helped him defer the tax and then he put, a, he, he, he was a little bit older and he just says, you know, I don't want to deal with any real estate. I just want to put it all in stocks, bonds and mutual funds. So it's not, it's not like kind investments. Right. Um, and he also won the liquidity, right? That's the mm -hmm. big thing. So right mm -hmm. now we believe liquidity diversification and being out of debt is the most important thing that you can do to set yourself up for an uncertain market over the next three to five years. Sure. Right. Sure. Because that's exactly what people didn't have in the 08 crash. The ones who got really mm -hmm. hurt, they didn't have liquidity. Mm -hmm. They had too much debt and they weren't diversified. Right. Yeah. They had overpaid. And anyway, so that's, that's where the deferred sales trust. So hopefully that answers the question. It does. It really does. So this deferred sales trust, is it legal in all 50 States? It is. It's all 50 states. The IRS tax law goes back to the okay. 1920s. Okay. It's IRC 453, which I guess is a great question, right? Too good to be true. My CPA would have known about it. Um, 
we hear this every single day and here's our evidence. So thousands of closes, billions under management, over a dozen no change IRS audits. But more than that, there's been really smart people that have looked at this with their legal teams for like years. I'm talking like a couple years due diligence and they say yes to it. And I'll give you just a couple of deal stories. So one of them, I spoke for a group called Western International and these are securities professionals. And I spoke to about 50 of them in uh, Reno, actually. Hmm. Um, uh, Incline Village, actually, better place, Incline Village. Nice. And, uh, and, uh, and I was there and I, I came after the, the speech and, they, and the gentleman comes up to me, the manager and says, hey, great job, you did a really good job. I wanna let you know, before you even got here, for two years, we did a due diligence on this. I've been wanting to bring this in for two years, but it took our legal team and everyone looking at this. So to get here to even have this speech in front of these securities professionals took us two years to do that. So the wow. question becomes, if it's good enough for Western International and their securities team, is it good enough for you? Second one is uh, a gentleman. His name is David Young. And David Young worked for a group called PIMCO. And PIMCO is one of the largest money managers in the world. Very respected folks. And he left PIMCO, formed a group called Anfield Capital. And this guy is kind of like the Warren Buffett of, of financial advising, like this guy named Bill Gross. And Bill Gross is, and David Young were like, right, uh, David Young was his right-hand man. So they're all working together, very respected, very well-known. Well, David Young and his team also look at this deferred sales trust. They get approached stuff all the time. They go, look, okay, let's test it out. For two years, they did their own due diligence. They did everything. And guess what? They're now part of our inner circle and they help to manage the funds for our clients. So I always say, if it's good enough for David Young and his 30 years in the business, is it good enough for you and your team? And that's really the key here. Once you understand the people who have looked at this and have done the deals, then um, that, that biggest challenge of, ah, too good to be true, or my CPA would have told me about it, that goes out the window. Interesting. That is, that's phenomenal to hear. And so as we've discussed, our listeners are either interested in or are currently beginning to grow their short-term rental business. And one of the biggest benefits of real estate is a tax benefit, either a tax savings, tax deferrals, wh whatever, because taxes are typically our biggest expense, right? Period. <laughs> but we can't really take advantage of these, like you said, very legal, very vetted, very due diligence <laughs> savings without fully understanding them. So, I mean, it sounds like it's an insane win for, for people who have really big portfolios, who have had insane appreciation from a home in Palo Alto, for, you know, but what about someone who is just getting into the real estate market? How can they use this knowledge they're getting today to set themselves up for success to be able to realize these savings and this insanely really cool vehicle yeah. uh, for their future growth. Absolutely. So um, these folks, right. And I'm in your shoes, right. I'm a real estate yeah. investor myself mm -hmm. and I want to buy properties that are below market and or from mom and pops that have owned it for 20, 30 years. And, and they've rents are really low and I can maybe convert some of these units and turn it into an Airbnb rental. It's perfect. But guess what? These folks are not selling because of the capital gains tax. It's somewhere between 30 and 50% of their gain going to be wiped out. And so what I like to say is as investors, we're not in the business of buying real estate. We're in the business of solving somebody's problem. Okay. And so when you can call somebody or reach out to someone or send a mailer or connect with somebody, try to find an off-market deal or even work with brokers, right? You're in the business of solving that seller's problem. And when you solve their problem, guess what? They will sell to you on better terms with lower price and be more flexible. And what is their number one problem? Their number one problem is the capital gains tax. 
in fact, a study was recently done. This is according to the American Bankers Association. Um, there's about 17 to $20 trillion worth of assets that's going to pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. Wow. And they found that this is known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet. In fact, there's about 77 million baby members turning 65 every day in the U.S. And there's about, I'm sorry, there's 77 million uh, baby members in the U.S. alone. And every day, 10,000 of those are turning 65. Okay. Wow. And they're faced with highly appreciated real estate, investment real estate, right? And they're looking to sell this, but they don't know how to sell it without getting hammered by the capital gains right. tax. So when you walk in and say, look, I want to solve your number one problem, your number one challenge, and using this tool, the deferred sales trust, you hand that to them, they go, where have you been the last five years? I've been getting calls from brokers telling me to 1031. I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not going to 1031. I did that last time I got hurt. Or mm -hmm. guess what? I don't want a new set of toilets, trash, and liability. We just did a deal for a baby boom named Peter. And Peter sold an 18-unit apartment complex in South Sacramento. Okay. Now, Peter is driving from Marin, California. He's driving there two or three days a week to Sacramento. And if you know, if you've ever done that drive, which you probably have, Jeannie. Yes, time and time again. Brutal, right? With traffic, Very right? Yes. And so back and forth, back and forth, he goes, he actually got a gunshot in his car at one point, you know, he's knocking on, you know, not that they shot at him, but like he was in like with, you know, fixing the unit yeah. and it got shot. I mean, just Holy cow. crazy stuff. And he's going yeah. like, what am I doing? He's like, yeah. this property's worth 1.8 million. I got 500,000 of debt, but he goes, if I sell, I have 18 problems right now. That's what he put it. And I said, Peter, why don't you just do a 1031? He goes, Brett, I have 18 problems right now. I don't want 36 problems. I've made my wealth, right? I don't need to trade and get more toilets, more trash, more liability, more management. But if I sell, I have a $550,000 worth of capital gains tax and depreciation recapture. So I kind of feel trapped. Um, and he goes, but I've been through this song and dance before in 08. And so he sold, he, he sold it. He sold it and used the deferred sales trust for the first time. And he goes, I've never been happier, Brett. I don't have any more toilets, trash, liability. I'm not driving to Sacramento. Um, I have liquidity. I paid off my debt. I've deferred my tax. I have more time with my family, more time to do the things I want to do versus doing the things I have to do. And that's where the transformation comes in. So when you can call somebody, when you can help them envision what their ideal outcome would be, and then you can have a tool to leverage to help them get there, guess what? You've helped provide transformation. And that's what the Deferred Sales Trust does. That is really amazing. And so Again, because I keep feeling like there has to be some kind of loophole or limitation, maybe not loophole is not the right word, but like the limitations to, you know, define this uh, deferred sales trust. Are there timing restrictions around? Because obviously they're not as limited if they exist as the 1031 exchange, but are there timing restrictions at all? Great question. So there are timing restrictions as far as we need to do this, um, set it up before close of escrow. Okay. So, so we have to do these tax planning things, just like the 1031, you have to set it up before sure. close of escrow too. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is we do need to uh, invest in a diversified way. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, the, Eugenie, let's imagine it was your deal and you sold it, right? And, and, and you're married. So you and your husband would fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire. It's a two-page questionnaire. And that determines the level of risk you're willing to take. And then that gives you a score. And that score determines where and how the funds are invested. Hmm. And so although most of our clients want to be diversified anyways, but it's not something where you can put 100% of it um, into one deal or one stock or one, one thing. Now, can you put 80% of it into a one real estate deal? Yeah. All tax deferred. Yeah. In fact, one of the best deals was a gentleman out of Minnesota. We called the Monday morning quarterback because this guy played it perfectly. He sold in 06, looking around for a 1031. Doesn't make any sense. 
this guy's worth a couple of million bucks. So he's really smart. He hates the stock market, by the way. But he's like, I'm like, I don't want to do the stock market. But he's like, ah, I'm not going to do a 1031 because this is crazy. So either I'm going to pay the tax or do this deferred sales trust thing and kind of sit on the sidelines for a while. So he did that. Sold it, put it into very conservative allocations, meaning stuff where even when the market crashed in 08, he didn't lose much because he was very conservative there. Okay. Uh, five years later, guess what? The bank calls up and says, hey, you know that property sold? He's like, yeah. Well, we just foreclosed on it. Oh. And we're just curious, like, do you want to buy it? Because you used to own it. And he said, well, maybe what's the price? And they, he said, well, they said, ah, about 40% less than what you sold it for. He said, sure. That sounds like a good deal. So what did he do? He sold out of his investments in the DST. He moved the investments, uh, the funds into an LLC. And he bought this property at 60 cents on the dollar. Wow. Here's the key. Did not pay a diamond capital gains tax. Did not use a 1031 exchange. And we call it the Monday morning quarterback, right? He literally sold at the peak and then he bought at, you know, at, at the bottom, wow. all tax deferred, not using a 1031. And that story right there, Jeannie, that is why I started my company. Wow. That single story is transformational when you can do that for clients. And again, <laughs> if you can help the people that you're calling for the Airbnb business, for whatever deal you're trying to get, you're solving yeah. their problem, you're going to get the deal. That's amazing. That's amazing. So then to reiterate for our listeners who like, wow, this sounds amazing. I might not be quite ready. Like I might've just bought my investment property, but like, it's phenomenal to know that whenever I'm getting ready to sell, this is how I can avoid cap capital gains tax, right? Or if someone, if our listeners are there, they still might be considering, all right, I'm trying to figure out my first Airbnb. What if through this, they could pretty much wipe out the worry of capital gains tax in the future or having to worry about like the song and dance with the market timing if they did a 1031 exchange and things like that. Is that a correct outlook that our listeners could take? Yeah, yeah. You should never feel trapped by capital gains tax ever again once you understand this. So we like to say we help individuals ex escape uh, feeling trapped by capital gains tax or getting out of capital gains tax jail. So two ways to look at it. Yeah. So the first thing is if you are the owner selling your Airbnb business or real estate, we can defer the tax. Okay. And then what can you do? You can use up to 80% of the funds the next day to go buy a new business, a ground up development, a new piece of real estate, all tax deferred. The other 20% stays liquid, investment grade securities. Okay. We do need to keep some liquidity with the trust. It's important. Um, it can also save a failed 1031 exchange. So we just did a deal in Georgia. It was a 128 unit apartment complex. And this gentleman's looking around for a property. Doesn't make, can't make any sense of the numbers again. COVID-19 hits. He's like, oh, it definitely doesn't make any sense. He went from like, he's in his, he's past his 45 days. And he's like, no, forget it. I'm not going to buy a four and a half cap in North Carolina. And I, he's a baby boomer. And he's like, what am I doing? He had four and a half million dollars of debt. He, he would had, had, had to replace had he done 1031 exchange. But instead he put all 3 million into the trust, paid off all of his debt. So now he's debt-free. He's diversified. He's able to build his legacy, which he wanted to start a, a camp for leaders to grow and, and their, and their giving um, in, in Montana. So he's like, I get to spend time in Montana beautiful country, all this stuff versus worrying about some apartment complex across the nation. He's out of California, by the way. Nice. So it saved his failed 1031 exchange, which leads into the next thing for the Airbnb business folks. Perhaps you're looking to raise capital from friends and family, right? Mm -hmm. And you're looking for a way to raise capital to buy that next Airbnb or to expand your business. Well, if you're having to do it all yourself or get the debt all on of yourself, that's all on you. But if you can say, hey, mom, you know, uh, sister, brother, uh, cousin, whoever, friend, you're selling this big house in Silicon Valley or, or in Manhattan or business, and you always want us to go in the business with me. How about you sell it, defer the tax? And let's say it's a $5 million sale. Let's say we help them defer 2 million of tax. So they're really happy. 
Well, guess what? Four million of that five can immediately go into your next, you can go into an LLC in partnership with you and you guys can go buy more Airbnb business, right? So it becomes a way to attract and unlock capital that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do. It helps you to scale on a way like nothing else can, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. So I do want to go back because if I have the question, I'm sure my listeners do too. Um, this gentleman that you mentioned in Alabama, he had a failed 1031. And so obviously he had already put like the, the property had been sold. Um, yeah, the funds so, were already at the QI company, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was still an escrow. So Is no, that, the property actually that... sold, sold. And oh, here's okay. the key distinction. And so the buyer's already gone. He took the property and the, the funds had gone to the 1031 qualified intermediary and he's sitting there in oh. limbo until he goes to find his next deal. Okay. He cannot find it. So now where's it go? It goes in limbo with the deferred sales trust, but there's no other restrictions here. Now he can go okay. in limbo for as long as he wants. So because it was in, in kind of that escrow account for 1031. Correct. That's how, okay. I was like, how did that, how is that possible? Okay. Yeah, that's what's called sense. constructive receipt, Jenny. And real quick, I'll just say, so you know, constructive or actual receipt. So the, when, it, when is it too late? Well, when the funds hit your personal account. When mm-hmm. is a 1031 exchange account uh, too late? When it hits your account? When, it, when, is a, uh, when is a 401k? When do you pay tax on that? Well, if you receive the funds from that. So anytime it goes to your personal account. So this is why we set up this trust beforehand, before you take what's called actual or constructive receipt. And we just move the funds to the deferred sales trust account. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so a couple of questions that I had wanted to ask you is, and this does make sense, Um, and I feel like you've answered part of it a little bit already, but why is it so important to build a tax deferred wealth plan now, even as we're growing our businesses, but like thinking ahead to that now? Absolutely. So, um, first thing is there's a lot of friends and family out there that, you know, that a own cryptocurrency own primary homes, own businesses, and they're about to sell and pay hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars of tax. In fact, there's a deal right now. It's a $9 million crypto Bitcoin case that we're going to help him defer about 4 million of tax. And see, part of wow. what his transformation is, he bought this coin for like 100 grand. He threw 100 grand at it, you know, years ago. It's $9 million. Well, he hasn't been able to like enjoy that. He's just sitting there going, oh, well, if I sell, I pay all this tax. There's no cash flow coming from that. It's, 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 it's a coin out there in the universe, right? Yeah. And so now he's going to sell that. And now, now what's going to happen? This 9 million is going to go into the trust. And then what? He's going to buy investment real estate. And then it's going to start cash flowing. And that's going to give him the freedom. He has a couple of kids. You don't have to work anymore, right? So what, he has an extra $4 million to do that with, with the deferred sales trust. So um, the second thing it would be, now's the time to sell, right? Why? We think the market is so highly appreciated. There's so much uncertainty, I think, with inflation potential, with, with value so high. I mean, do I still think it's 6 to 12 months? Sure, it looks safe. Sure, from what people say, sure. But I get nervous, right, with, with how long this bull market run has been going for, how highly appreciated this, these assets are. So we think diversification helps to create what's called like a safe harbor, right? And a safe harbor is where you can just rest and relax, being like, okay, I sold I, my business at a peak. I sold my Bitcoin at a peak, my investment real estate, my Airbnb business, whatever it is. And now I can park those funds. And I, we always had a number. Uh, our number was 5 million. If we can get 5 million at 5%, it's about $250,000 per year. Like we don't really have to work again, right? So yeah. um, if we don't want to, although I'll probably mm-hmm. never stop working. Right. But what is it for you? I don't know what it is for you, right? But I think liquidity, getting out of debt, getting diversified, getting tax deferred 
that's going to oftentimes set you up for success for whatever you're trying to do moving forward. Very smart. Very smart. So what are the top seven questions to ask of every tax deferral strategy? <laughs> sure. Great question. And let's see if we have time for the seven for sure, but we'll start with okay. the, um, we'll start with just the premise of what we're asking here. Okay. Yeah. So if anyone brings you a brand new tax deferral strategy, it sounds too good to be true that you never heard of that your CPA never tell you about. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like that sounds amazing. What are like the seven questions that you should ask? Okay. The first one is what's the IRC tax code or like, is this thing legal? Like, how do I know it's legal? Right. Anything in those lines and make sure they actually give you those things. So what's the tax with the deferred sales trust? What's IRC 453. It's based upon an installment sale, you know, is a seller carry back. Um, it goes back to the 1920s. Okay. So that's the first question. The next question you want to ask is, well, okay, cool. So that, there's a tax code. But how long have you been applying how you apply and use the tax code, right? Because, and that's the secret sauce here. Like we're using 453, which is an installment sale, but we're using it in a proprietary way called a deferred sales trust. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna look up deferred sales trust and find them the tax code. Okay, you're gonna see IRC 453, which is the foundation for it, okay? And then the deferred sales trust is that. And so what the answer is, is 25 years. Okay, the next question is, well, how many of those have closed? Thousands upon thousands. Okay. How much is under management? Billions upon billions. Okay. How many of those have actually been challenged by the IRS? The answer is over a dozen. Okay. Of those dozen, how many, what was the outcome? Like, like, did they go to jail or like, did they have to pay the tax? Did it fail? A uh, perfect outcome. What do you mean by perfect? Well, literally no change IRS audits. Huh? What's a no change audit? I mean, that's mean they can't find anything. So like if Jeannie or I got an audit right now on our business tax returns, you know, we probably have a receipt that's missing. We probably have something that we misreported. It's probably not perfect, right? We didn't do anything like blatantly like illegal, but they're going to say, ah, change that, change that. You owe us a little bit more. That's more, more than likely, you know, the odds of us not having something is probably like one in a million, not having some change, right? So what happened with the deferred sales trust? These are literally zero changes. They're batting a thousand. Who's they? It's the tax attorneys. The tax attorneys are my business partners, right? They, they do the, the, the brain surgery. I'm just like the nurse. I'm by the, oh, by the way, I'm like a trustee. I do the trustee work for this. I'm like the nurse. I guide you along the way. Okay. So they have a perfect track record. Okay. But what if I get audited? Right? So then the next question becomes great. So you've been perfect for everybody else, but what if I get audited? Are you going to protect me? And that's, what's cool. They have what's called a no cost, um, a lifetime, um, audit defense. So they will cover state and federal and no additional charge for the deferred sales trust audit. So you're like, okay, so you've caught, you covered me before you've proven you've done it perfectly for 25 years and you'll protect me after I close. So those are the key things to ask on oh, the last one would be that attorney who's setting it up. Did he actually defend his own clients? Mm. Like, is it like, Oh, well this other person over there did that. Like, no, 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 no. You want to make sure the actual tax attorney is the one who actually defended or the law firm itself. It's probably a better way to put it. Did the law firm itself actually defend that actual client or is it, or is it somebody, you know, cause there's some competitors out there that, that um, like the guy's going to be retiring and, and then it's all mm. these people talking about it, but they're like, and they're like, they're under IRS, you know, um, litigation right now. Like it's them against the U S government. And it's like, like be very careful. There's no pending litigation. I guess maybe we talked about like 10 there. There's like, there's like mm -hmm. 10 things, like make yes. sure there's no pending litigation. There's no pending litigation with the deferred sales trust either. So those, hopefully that answers the question. Jeannie. It does. It really does. So it's just, it sounds like, um, due diligence, right? Like asking yes. the due diligence. I love it. I love it. 
Now, um, before we go, a couple more wrap-up questions. You've written a book. Uh, we are in the process of writing a book. Oh, you are <laughs> writing a book. Okay, yeah, that's so good. exciting. Yeah. Well, share with us, what is it called and when do you think it'll be out? So we just got off with my publisher um, and a marketing extraordinaire. Um, by the way, that's um, that's Seth Green, Market Domination. I'm gonna do a little plug for him. He's partnered with uh, Kevin Harrington and they, anyways, they're a part of our team. They're, we hired them. And so they're, uh, we're a client of theirs. And so they're helping to publish the book. Uh, we haven't come up with a final name yet, okay. um, but it might be something along the royal, along the lines of, um, you know, delivering a transformational exit plan for your perfect client, um, you know, escape feeling capital gains tax forever, you know, I don't know something along those lines. And it basically, it's going to be me interviewing other people and talking about the deferred sales trust and them learning about it for the first time. And then them sharing their insights. In fact, Kevin Harrington is going to be one of the chapters. He's from Shark Tank. If you ever heard of Kevin oh, yeah, Harrington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then a few other really smart people that are much smarter than me, right. That are going to be in the book and we're going to be talking and, and talking strategy, leadership, business, investment, real estate, tax deferral. So, uh, uh, three to six months. Okay. All right. Well, that's exciting. It'll be later this year. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Well, we've heard it here first, right? <laughs> so if our listeners want to hear more from you or, you know, stay obviously up to date on your book release, where can they find you? They can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. That's capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. You can look on iTunes. We have our podcast. You can go to, you can go to YouTube. You can find me on LinkedIn. Look up Brett Swartz. Um, you can, and if you're a business professional, you're like a commercial real estate syndicator, operator, buying Airbnbs, wanting to figure out how to like you get tangible coaching. We also have a coaching at experttaxsecrets.com. You can go there. It's experttaxsecrets.com. And we have a whole whole way to roll this out for your business um, and to um, to become an, you know, as close to an expert as you can become with the Deferred Sales Trust. Wonderful, wonderful. I'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes. And Brett, thank you so much for joining us on Uplevel today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.